When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where's Loki? 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Marvel Stuff Podcast. I got the name right. Uh, <laughs> you're probably used to seeing us on the Star Wars Stuff Podcast. So, yeah. Coach Josh Colin did the review of episode one, Glorious Purpose, yesterday. And Ray and I were so hyped about this episode that we wanted to do our own little podcast. Spoiler heavy. We'll review it uh, and we'll talk about what we saw. And uh, my initial thoughts, back when they announced it at Comic-Con 2019, I thought it was a cool concept. When I saw the logo, which is here, I thought it was going to be pretty wild. And it seems like they're going in that direction, which totally satisfies me. Because it, it in, in incorporating time into time jumping, time travel, that's is so my jam. I love time travel concepts. I know there's a lot of people that don't like that, but I really love that stuff. And to see Tom Hiddleston embrace Loki like he has, it's it's wonderful. It's awesome for Marvel. And I've seen a lot of actors in the past not want to do the same role over and over and over again. But it seems like Marvel has broken that mold for these actors. And a lot of these actors, Marvel pretty much discovered. And they're making tons of money doing films and now TV. And I was anticipating, I I had my hopes really high already. And for me, it totally met them. This episode was awesome. I loved it. I stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch it. I'm in central time. So that's the time I had to watch it. Um, I know, I think just me and Colin were the only two people on the podcast that did that. But I had the suspicion that they were going to air it a little earlier, which they did. They dropped it like 10 minutes early. So I got to actually start watching that at 1.50. To, uh, I'm thinking to prevent the servers from going down. And yeah. uh, and apparently the reports are that a lot of people watched it as it dropped at, at midnight Pacific time, 2 a.m. Central. So, yeah, what were your expectations for for this first episode, really? 
Well, I have been wanting a Loki show since like 2012, or not even a show, like a Loki movie or spinoff mm. of some kind. Um, and so to like have it finally be here is like a little surreal. Um, and then after uh, WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier, like those just eat, rose my ex like made my expectations even higher just because of the quality was so amazing and seeing it it's it's everything I could have dreamed it would be and more uh I absolutely adore um all the different layers that Tom Hiddleston brings to Loki um which we really get to see in this episode um but because of that I love seeing the character Loki because he's so complex and being able to explore is so exciting to me. I have the same sentiments exactly. I think Hiddleston is a great actor. He's done a lot of stuff. Well, he's done some stuff outside of Marvel. And the stuff that I think he's done has been pretty good. War Horse. Uh, I know he did that uh, biopic with... Um, uh, I Saw the Light about Hank Williams. Yes, yes. I haven't seen it, but I've seen clips of it, and it looks like I think he actually learned how to play the guitar for that role. Yeah, guitar and sing. Um, yeah. He also plays opposite Elizabeth Olsen as his right. wife. Right. Um, <laughs> those two are amazing in the movie. I did not care for the movie as a whole, though. Yeah, yeah. it seemed pretty pretty bland. But watching the two of them together, they have amazing on-screen chemistry. I loved it. Um, I've seen a bunch of Tom Middleston's work outside of Marvel, and he seems to be like all over the map in terms of different like genres and stuff that he does. Yeah, yeah, he's to me he's a big time actor, and I'm glad uh, he started off ten years ago as Loki. So, without further ado, I think we're gonna start a group watch and kind of follow along here, and. Of course, we start off with New York City, 2012, right where we left off in Avengers Endgame. And I was kind of wondering, did he actually know what was going on? And I think we kind of find out at the end of the episode. And people had questions whether or not there were new shots in the sequence that we see at that point of Endgame where... Uh, Tony Stark and Captain America travel back uh, to retrieve the Tesseract. And this shot particularly right here, I think this is a brand new shot or it's a shot yeah. that they never used in Endgame. I, I think there's maybe it, another one. Yeah, a lot of this sequence is made up of shots not used in the film. Um, and then I, that one in the elevator with him waving, I believe, is a new shot. Yeah. They went back and filmed that one because you can tell his hair is shorter. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. And it's curlier when we get to yeah. real time. So, yeah, we all saw it game, so there's really no spoilers there. So he disappears into a portal. He gets the Tesseract back. So he ends up in the Gobi Desert, Mongolia, which is kind of strange. Do you know what? Is there any significance to that? I'm not sure. But I am glad to see the tradition of Loki being smashed into the floor is uh, continuing. Because in Thor, he fell onto the Rainbow Bridge. In uh, Avengers, he was uh, Hulk smashed in the tower. Thor 2, he fell to the ground after being stabbed. Uh, Thor 3, uh, Thor shocked him and he fell to the ground. Uh, in Infinity War, he was uh, dropped by Thanos. And now he gets plummeted into the desert. 
Yeah, and there's some Iron Man 1 vibes there as well. And that logo, uh, I loved it. And the music that they played. Yes. It sounded like, yeah, as a theremin. The music through this whole episode is amazing. Yeah. And of course, our first introduction to uh, the TVA. And I think uh, we all kind of knew of the TVA from the trailers and and all the little tidbits that Marvel released beforehand. But it's cool that there's just a door that opens in thin air and they and they can just walk through it. And we meet this character who's, yeah. I don't think I caught her name, but she's one of the main agents or one of the main Minutemen. I don't think she has a name particularly. A lot of them uh, have like numbers, but I don't okay. know what her numbers are offhand. Right. And it's funny how they call him a variant. I, I thought that was kind of interesting the way he was he was labeled. And of course he has a tesseract, he drops it, and their batons can play with time. So it, it's a time weapon. So of course Loki thinks he's totally godlike still and uh <laughs> and gets I smacked do love across how the face. That was that was a beautiful sequence. Um, yeah. I do love when he, as soon as he lands in the desert, he gets up, sees people, and climbs on top of a rock to feel tall. I'm right, like, right. That was Han, you're over Loki six move. foot. You don't need to be tall. <laughs> well, yeah. I and mean, he had that's the horns like the, to add height. Right, yeah. It's the whole God complex that he has. But yeah, he gets smacked in the face, which a lot of people were like wondering, how did they do this effect? I mean, th- this was so technical. It really actually wasn't. Tom Hiddleston was on Jimmy Kimmel and he explained it. He basically does that thing where you kind of blow air rapidly through your lips. And mm-hmm. he said that's simply what he did. So they didn't have to actually punch him in the face. And of course, you're not going to punch Tom Hiddleston. So he yeah. did that. They slowed it down, shot it in a bunch of frames, um, super low speed. And that's how they achieved the effect. And yeah. of course, he gets collared. They pick up the Tesseract, which we find out does nothing in the TVA. And of course they they have a device that can rewind time. So the Mongolians will never remember that they encountered uh, Loki out there in the desert. So they go back to the TVA and we see a scroll off to the side, which is interesting. Yeah. And there's another shot where it almost looks like someone that resembles Peggy Carter being pulled in. Yes, I was going to say that. Um, Later, when uh, Loki escapes from the theater room uh, and appears in a hallway, uh, the TVA agent enters in the back with a woman who looks suspiciously identical to Peggy. And my vague guess is if it is Peggy, because Marvel doesn't do things by accident, if it is Peggy that Steve becomes a variant of some sort because he broke the timeline by going back and staying with Peggy. Mm, that's a good point. I don't know why they would bring in uh, Peggy particularly instead of Steve, but maybe being an accomplice, they went and got her. Yeah, and I think we all want to see that TV show movie where Steve puts the stones back. I think that that would rock. So he gets pulled into, I guess, an elevator type. Yeah, it seems kind of like an elevator. So, yeah, he kind of gets disturbed by seeing this this mechanical 
machine here with a uh, kind of 1970 style graphical face mm-hmm. and it's making faces at him and of course <laughs> he talks about his fine as guardian leather as a is... costumer i loved that bit <laughs> and he's like the way loki dresses and his elaborate like head pieces and everything he is a hardcore fashionista and of course the first thing he's gonna be is like no don't don't touch this. This is this is like fine as guardian leather. Don't touch this. And I just feel like that fits so well. <laughs> of course, he gets zapped. He loses it all. He's totally yeah. naked, and uh, the arm is strategically placed so we don't see any of his bits there. <laughs> and he falls through the floor, and he's dressed in a TVA prison style jumpsuit. And Which I love the shoes on that suit are velcroed. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, they're Velcro shoes, and it's amazing. <laughs> I did notice the cat, though, and the cat yeah. is terrifying because that's kind of a callback to Captain Marvel. Exactly. I'm wondering if it's a variant. Yeah, that's possible too. Um, yeah, so you have this character here that that tells Loki, um, describes what that kind of almost metal detector type device that he has to walk through. He says it'll melt you. If if you're a machine or if you're an android, um, so <laughs> Loki pauses and thinks, "Well, I don't think I'm a machine." Yeah, and- <laughs> when that scene happened, I was like, "It's it's the epitome of all of those times you try to log in on a web web account and are asked, are you a robot?'" Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, "It's okay, Loki. You get used to being asked that question a thousand times a day by a computer, which is a robot." Um, also, what I put together was about so like recently for this loki because this is 2012 loki um so within a year or two of this moment loki realized he wasn't actually as guardian and so he wasn't what he always thought he was and right. so if he wasn't what he thought he was he might also be a robot and like the layers of that are right. so like like that is just mind-blowing like all the different yeah. layers you see him go through as he contemplates, is he a robot? Yeah, that's a great catch. And you can kind of see the alien blood on the sides from people exploding or creatures exploding. Yeah. It felt like, or scratches or something. So he walks through it. He gets a picture of his temporal aura and Loki has no idea what that is and why that is. And I don't think we find out, but I know it's referenced later on in the show. Yeah, I'm hoping that comes back because I'd be curious to know what all the colors mean. Mm-hmm. But um, in that scene specifically, when he's like constantly questioning that man, uh, later in the show, um, Mobius says, makes you sound super smart. And Loki says, I am smart, uh, which is made extra funny because throughout this whole sequence, he's so confused and has no idea what's going on and just constantly asking like, what's that? What's that? What's that? And it's like, are you really super smart? <laughs> yeah, I love that exchange between them. It was, I mean, it was too good, too good. So yeah, then he walks through, and of course, it's the classic take a ticket machine where we've all seen. And I don't know how similar it is uh, to compared to Texas, but usually in Texas, when we see those, we never take a ticket. It's just we just get in line usually. <laughs> I don't know if it's different like in Michigan, but yeah, I know um, for like 
I believe there are ticket systems for like the secretary of state and stuff, which seems to be what this is kind of based off of. But I love the design concept of the, of the TVA because everything is like very old school and old tech and like everything's like paperwork and stuff. Um, and like the animations that you see in the lobby are very old. Like there's dust scratches, the animation shakes back and forth a little like an old movie. Um, but then at the same time you see outside and it's like some Coruscant like magic city yeah. and being a time, a space, a place about time, having like all this old tech meet new tech is like the perfect mix for this. So yeah. I felt like it really worked. Yeah, and I'm curious about the, awesome. the overuse of gold because everything is very golden. I don't know if there's like a reason for that. But there tends to be a lot of, like, color, like, purposeful color choices when it comes to Loki. Right, right. So, yeah, he takes a ticket there. And then, of course, he sees Miss Minutes, played by Tara Strong, who has an amazing amount of credits to her name. She's a very popular voice actress. She, I know she, she's done Harley Quinn. I've seen her, along with Mark Hamill, doing press for stuff. Um but yeah, she's done a lot of stuff in her career. And yeah, I, I love her accent. It's it's not quite country Texan, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of off a little bit. It's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, course, but it also fits perfect for for that like kind of like sugary sweet narration where it's not right. yeah, it's exactly. just off. Like yeah. it just it feels a little wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. So she she basically tells Loki and the audience the story of the universe, why everything is. So yeah, long ago there was a vast multiversal war, and the animations are just kind of perfect because they're old school, like seventies, eighties, mm -hmm. and yeah, Miss Minutes talks about countless unique timelines battled each other for supremacy, and we get to see these timekeepers, which is kind of akin to what we've seen before with like celestials as these almost like omnipotent beings, like watchers that are kind of out there. We just haven't seen them in live action yet. And here's a picture of them and it's, they're described as all knowing and they're protecting a sacred timeline, which you would think is the timeline that we're living in. Um, and some more animations and they're there to protect and preserve the proper flow of time. And there's animations of people that leave the sacred timeline. And they describe if that happens, if too much of that happens, it, it just disrupts everything. And they show more animation of people breaking the timeline and the official logo of the TVA for all time, always. So Which, the I felt TVA a little called out by that one. I'm not going to lie because when someone says for all time and then afterwards there's just a group shouting always, I felt called out for the star Wars stuff <laughs> podcast. I didn't, I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, yeah, they definitely did do that. So the guy that didn't take a ticket, he got disintegrated, which is another star Wars reference, but yeah. Yeah. That that guy was. I knew he was going to go pretty quickly because it, it's. It didn't seem like it was a. He was going to be a character that was going to be around, but I mean, 
Yeah. You don't know. I mean, it could have been the stereotypical, like, kind of sidekick type of situation, but it wasn't. And then they kicked into this very kind of interesting, uh, like, title card sequence that flashed really quickly. And if you notice at the beginning of the show, there was a warning for flashing lights. And I believe this was kind of part of it. They start showing different types of Loki fonts. And there was several of them. I, I only took a couple or three screenshots here of them, but pretty cool. I like the uh, yeah. the aesthetic there and the fonts, the different for each individual letter. There's a different font. And we hop to the year 1549 in France. And this is where Mobius is. And along with uh, some Minutemen. And it looks like uh, murder happened here. And it looks, I get, I'm guessing those are other Minutemen that got uh, yeah. stabbed repeatedly. So, and of course, we all know that uh, before we knew what was said at the end, we all know that Loki uses knives and that's his uh, form of attack. He is a stabby but, boy. Yeah, but there's a there's a girl in that church in France that uh, Mobius approaches. And of course, in the back, it's Mephisto confirmed. Yep. So. <laughs> I re- when that French kid pointed to the stained glass window, I said out loud, Mephisto confirmed. <laughs> and I was like, why is this got to come everywhere? <laughs> yeah, so the press got screeners. Uh, they got a link to watch the first two episodes of Loki. And the reviews came out a couple days before Wednesday. And there were several of them that said there's several Mephisto references. But... We've gotten confirmation from uh, Michael Waldron that it's just a coincidence. It's it, There's no kind of tie-in to what everyone on the internet kind of went crazy over in WandaVision. So not necessarily Mephisto, but uh, I think we'll find out a little bit more later on. So yeah, Mobius notices the girl's teeth are blue, which is very curious. You get to see them right there. What is that? And she hands Mobius a pack of gum. It seems like it's called Kablooey yeah. or hard candy or something. And I thought this was a reference to something I didn't find out. Do you know, is this a reference to anything in the comics or something we, we've seen before? I don't know offhand. The logo for some reason does look familiar, Yeah, but I couldn't place it. Yeah. Same here. So I didn't know that Loki had a last name. Um, I don't even I'm not even quite sure how to pronounce it. I heard it a couple times. Uh, well, Loki. she says Lofison, Lofison, uh, okay. but it's more like Laufy son. Yeah, because it's right. he's the son of Laufy. Ah, okay. So it's okay. like how Thor is uh, Thor Odinson. Right. Okay. Yeah, I should have put that together. So, actually, in the background, we see the three heads of the timekeepers there, and I thought yeah. that was kind of interesting. They look pretty, pretty gnarly. I hope we get to see yeah. them in, in the flesh, so to speak. So the judge here is a very talented actress, Gugu Mbatha-Ra. She's done a lot of stuff. She's I, I, maybe the most familiar thing people have seen her in was maybe Black Mirror. Uh, she was in that episode, San Junipero, that's considered to be one of the best episodes. But she's done a lot of stuff. I'm sure I'm forgetting all the stuff that she's done. But yeah, she's a great actress. And she has a really great exchange with Loki explaining her role his role and everything. And of course, Loki still doesn't get the fact that he can't use his powers. So he tries to use his powers here. And of course, everyone laughs at him. And uh, 
That was a good moment. Yeah, yeah. He does it several times. And they show images or or looks at people just kind of like smirking at him, not knowing. And of course, the reference you made to Coruscant, we walk out into uh, the outside area and we see in the windows the city that's on the outside. And, And Loki references... I thought there was no magic here and I love the aesthetic of the city in there. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like classic retro science fiction and it, it harkens back to a lot of the older science fiction before, uh, before star Wars, I would say. And yeah, it's, it's just intricate and interesting. And I'd, I'd love to spend some time there because yeah. they could do some, some type of, attraction in marvel's campus maybe which uh back to loki's trial for a quick second um okay i want to make sure that everyone noticed that loki said that he knew about the avengers time travel heist because you can smell the cologne of two tony starks yes yes and that was a big question people had it it was like and i think people are still asking that question they didn't pick that up how did loki know that because he brought up the fact that it's like, well, why aren't the Avengers here instead of me? They broke the timeline. And the judge clearly stated that that was supposed to happen. So they were fine. You leaving with the Tesseract wasn't supposed to happen. So it's kind of an interesting kind of paradox in a way. It's like, okay, so I mean, how do you know it's not supposed to happen when you're doing the thing that's not supposed to happen, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like one of those, like, okay, are they going to be able to answer that in the future episodes here? I hope they do. And all the explanations that were given worked, I think. So I didn't have any issue with that. And of course, he gets taken to a room by Mobius, gets introduced, and he has a little machine there. It's like an analog machine that that can put up digital, (laughs) digital graphics and he shows them new york and he's shown that scene at the end of avengers one where he asks for a drink and then it's funny mobius offers him a drink at the end because of course he didn't get that drink he gets pulled inside and then i didn't think this was going to happen in episode one but he brings up the the time where loki lost a bet to thor and ends up on a plane, and it's revealed that he was D.B. Cooper from the Which, legendary story that, of course, it, it's a real-life story. Yes, it's so perfect. Um, I know a lot about this story because I'm a true crime buff, um, and I appreciated how detailed they went with this because when Loki first hands the letter and like she looks like she's going to open it, and I'm like, she didn't open it. She walked away and he called her back. And as soon as I questioned that, he called her back and said to take a look at it. And Loki saying flat out that I have a bomb is not really in character for him, but that that smile afterwards really sells it. And it's exactly what D.B. Cooper says, but it also ends up fitting really well with uh, Loki. And uh I cannot believe how much he looks like the sketch of D.B. Cooper there. It is like really spot on. Right. It is super uncanny. And I wonder who made that call. I'm guessing it was Michael Waldron that that kind of thought of it because he's the creator and the writer of the show. But yeah, great call. 
I'm I've always been fascinated with this story of DB Cooper. He never got caught. So no. he ended up he ended up getting a ransom and it was applied to him. He got back on the plane and with I think it was just him, the stewardesses and the in the pilots, mm-hmm. and they were flying and he had a parachute on. He jumped off somewhere over Washington. And of course they show the iconic scene where he jumps out. Of course we never saw it in real life, but I mean this is what we yeah. it happened. And of course the Bifrost takes him because he achieved his mission. And Money falls out, and I do know in the D.B. Cooper story, that was the only trace that he left was these bills that were kind of tattered and kind of torn. And yeah, I think there kids was, found him on the shore of a river or yeah, in the river. Yeah, there was um, a kid who found a large amount of the D.B. Cooper money. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not what what I think even adds to this with it being Loki is we don't even we don't know who D.B. Cooper is, and D.B. Cooper isn't his real name. Right, right. So the fact that Loki is using the name D.B. Cooper uh, as a fake name, just as D.B. Cooper did, um, I think, like, just really adds an extra layer to it. Right, yeah. Yeah, It's it was awesome the way they kind of weave the whole D.B. Cooper thing in there. So the next thing I think he sees is his mom from Dark World getting yes. murdered. <laughs> And that was it was hard enough the first time. <laughs> and who thought that Rene Russo would play such a huge role going forward in in the cinematic universe? I mean, she was awesome in Endgame. I thought that whole exchange between her and Thor yes. was just the best between a son and his mother. I mean, it was just so awesome. And then that, that, that's how he got Milner back. And mm-hmm. I think Loki here is starting to realize it's like, okay, well, this is horrible. Um and I think he starts to realize that he needs to change his ways. And it, it's a slow realization. And we get there in the end. And, of course, he escapes. He's the uh, god of mischief. And he mm-hmm. figures out a way to get out. And he encounters Casey. And this actor, he's done a lot of stuff, too. Casey. He's actually been in The Mandalorian. He was in uh, the Sorgan episode that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard directed. He was one of the guys that uh, recruits The Mandalorian. And oh. And yeah, he says, give me the Tesseract. He knows he has it. So the funny thing is, he says, give it to me or I'll gut you like a fish. And then he says, what's a fish? <laughs> that is beautiful. Um, I'm pretty sure every Marvel TV show, at least so far, has that one character that's like iconic. And it's like a bit background character. And like everyone just falls in love with them. Um, and I think Casey's going to be that for uh, Loki. But what what I noticed, and I don't know why I noticed, but Loki asks Casey his name before threatening him. And it's like really like a villain isn't gonna ask you your name before threatening you. So I right. found it like like that was intentional. It like it says something about Loki, but I don't know what it says yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a subtle kind of hint to his humanity in a way to his yeah to his good guyness i don't know but yeah he has the tesseract there he pulls that out of a drawer very kind of casually and he looks down and he notices infinity stones they're paperweights (laughs) (laughs) the infinity stones are paperweights gamora natasha and steve yeeted themselves for paperweights yeah also, it's you got infinity stones? What? Like it's hard? 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, I I don't know how to feel about that. Like yeah, it makes uh, sense, <laughs> but it's like okay, everything that the Avengers series has built up to over these how many years? Yeah, for them to be paperweights, it's like, why did you do this? <laughs> <laughs> that just shows the power of the TVA. Oh, and yeah. Loki's kind of realizing, is this the greatest power in the universe? <laughs> yeah, I think Loki comes to that same realization because, like, the Infinity Stones in what he knows of the universe are, like, the most powerful thing. And to see that the most powerful thing he knows is used as a paperweight, that this universe has to be infinitely greater. And I think his mind is, like, blown a little bit by that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he ends up back in that same um, room where where Mobius was interrogating him, so to speak, and he gets to the last part of his life in the uh, the main timeline. Which this man went through six years of character development in like three minutes, and you yeah. can see it in his face. Like I have so many feelings about this whole sequence because like he gets really emotional. And you can tell that Loki really loves his family. And, like, yeah, he's mean and he's rude and brushes them off. But I think he does that because he's, like, there's a fear in him. Because, like, he cries over his family. He he cries over Frigga. He cries over Odin. And Mm -hmm. he cries when Odin... Basically, Odin... uh, He finally gets to hear that Odin loves him. And that's kind of what he's wanted since the beginning, uh, because before Loki falls in the first, at the end of the first Thor film, he says that everything he did was for Odin. And, like, all Loki wants is, like, to be loved. And, like, I know a lot of people, like, romanticize Loki, and that's not what this is. Um, but, like, Loki's, like, main drive is to be loved, accepted, and to belong. And seeing all this footage of what his future could have been uh, had he not become a variant, uh, he gets to see that... He was, he did have that all along. He was loved, he was accepted, and he did belong. Um, and what I think really hits him is that he finally realizes that he has everything, but he can't truly have it because he can't go back to his timeline. Mm. So everything he's built up trying to get the, um, the love and recognition. Um, and acceptance and he had it but in his attempt to get it he ends up losing it which is like oh it's mind twisting Mm -hmm. and if um marvel could stop making all of my loves cry that would be great because (laughs) uh we got wanda with an emotional breakdown we got bucky with an emotional breakdown and now we got loki and um yeah Who's next to cry? I mean, <laughs> well, whose series is next? I think the next film is is Black Widow. So yeah, yeah. He says, "I don't enjoy hurting people. I do it because I have to." It's the cruel, elaborate trick conjured by the weak to inspire fear. Which I love how he points at himself when he says, uh, "By the weak to inspire yeah. fear." Yeah, because he uses his grand illusions to play the bad guy in a desperate attempt to protect himself and maintain control over his environment. Because I think growing up in Thor's shadow with Thor being like such a strong, like 
he's he's very physically strong where Loki is more mentally strong. Mm -hmm. Um, But he feels weak in comparison. And uh, he, for some reason, thought that making people uh, fear him and uh, that would make people respect him and acknowledge him and he would be in control. And that kind of goes along with how he wants to be loved and accepted. And he thought the only way to go about doing that was causing pain. Um, But you get to see that that's not who he is. And like, it's part of his illusion, which he is also a God of illusions and seeing all of these layers open up in Loki in just one episode is like really intense, but it's also like really, I'm really happy about it because I, I fell in love with the character Loki when I first saw Thor and everyone thought I was weird and crazy for liking him. Cause he's such a bad guy. He's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, no, he's fascinating. He's interesting. And he's complex. And yeah. there's all, Everything that we discovered in this episode is stuff that I've been saying for years, but nobody really believed me. Mm. And it's like, I'm finally vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, Mobius talks to him about a fugitive ver- variant that's been killing the Minutemen. And, of course, um, he explains, and we find out as an audience, that this variant is actually Loki. So it's been Agatha all along? Well, I mean... (laughs) We're going to rewrite that with it's been Loki all along? (laughs) Not in this show. But the question is, is it actual Loki? Is it Lady Loki? Is it like truly a different type of Loki that we haven't seen before and not actually anything similar to the Loki we've seen in this episode? I mean, we don't know... We get transported to 1858 Salina, Oklahoma. There's another kind of random city in there. Um, And there's a staff that the Minutemen find and a figure in the back that's cloaked. And the Minutemen make the uh, comment that there's oil on the ground and that someone used a time machine to try and come back and get rich. But of course it was to basically burn them. Mm -hmm. So that's how the variant kills the Minutemen here. And the last Minuteman that was crawling and actually didn't seem like he got burnt. It seemed like he got hurt in some way. He tried to reach for it to reset the time. Wasn't able to. He got dragged off by this variant. And that was the episode. And, of course, it was directed by Kate Heron. And she's going to direct all six episodes. And the end credits are pretty cool. Um, You got to see kind of different types of retro stuff that we saw in, in the TVA. And of course it's written by Michael Waldron who is from, um, he was, I believe he's a staffer on community. Uh, he was a writer on Rick and Morty. Um, so he's actually been pegged by Kevin Feige apparently as a big time creator writer. He's going to help him write uh, the star Wars film. Ooh. And of course he, he's also, he's written the, uh, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness movie as well. Oh. So so the 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 multiverse tie-in from from Loki is probably going to tie into the Doctor Strange film with with Wanda and Doctor Strange and Yeah. America Chavez. And yeah, this dude seems to be like 
one of the top-notch writers at Marvel. And of course, it was created for television by Michael Waldron, executive produced by Kevin Feige. But the thing I didn't know was that Tom Hiddleston is an executive producer on the show as well. Yeah, so the funny thing about executive producers is it's kind of just like an empty title sometimes, most of the time. Yeah. Uh, if you donate enough money for a film uh, or like supply enough of the budget or something, you can get an executive right. producer title. Right. But I think he was executive producer uh, in the sense of offering um, like everything he knows about Loki um, to help the creation of the show. Um, you shared in the Facebook group uh, that Tom held uh, Loki lectures where mm-hmm. he basically got the entire crew up to speed on the character um, because he's been through a lot of different developments over the years, mm-hmm. um, which I really want to hear that Loki lecture. I think that would be fascinating, especially coming from Tom. Yeah, but, everyone has a camera on them. Did no one record it? Oh, I know. <laughs> or or can we not see it yet because there's p- potential spoilerage? I don't know. I don't but, know. But, but yeah, what, what's funny is Sebastian Stan. So Sebastian Stan, uh, Anthony Mackie, and um, I forget her name. Wanda Max. Elizabeth Olsen? Yes, Elizabeth Olsen. They were all there on the lot when that was happening. And Anthony Mackie was so mad that he didn't get invited to the Loki lecture. And <laughs> yeah. it was like a whole thing that he was joking around, of course. But I mean, it's it's pretty cool to see them. There is I believe I posted in the Facebook group on, on the Marvel Stuff podcast Facebook group where there's a video of them talking about um, their TV show experiences. And you can just tell that they're friends off screen. Mm-hmm. And I love that so much that these guys hang out. They're friendly with each other. And everyone is having success. It's an incredible thing that's happening. And I knew, knew I knew you would like this costume designer Christine Wada. I so. oh I love I love how everybody looks in this. Yeah, it's oh it's so perfect. And those Velcro shoes, man. Why did you pick Velcro? I don't know, <laughs> but I love it because it's hilarious. <laughs> And of course, Tara Strong as Miss Minutes. We talked about her earlier. So yeah, that uh, that was the first episode, and the logo's rad. The very beginning. I don't think we talked about this, but it, it leads into the classic Marvel Studios logo. Not red this time, but this sickly green. green that uh, yeah, and yeah, it was it was awesome. I thought it was near perfect. I didn't have any issues with it at all. And I wasn't quite sure the tone that we were going to get, but I think it was just pitch perfect. And mm-hmm. and I have heard from a media member that has seen the second episode, no spoilers, but he said that that was the episode we're all really going to be talking about. Ooh, I'm excited. So, yeah, it's going to be a huge episode. I already told myself I wasn't going to stay up, but now it's like, how can I not stay up and watch it? It's, I mean, I'm totally anticipating. And it launches every Wednesday. So every Wednesday at, if you're in Pacific time, 12 a.m., midnight, where you're lucky. Don't have to stay up too late. But uh, yeah, six episodes. Every Wednesday, we'll get a Loki episode. And I think we're in for a great ride. Which earlier you mentioned uh, Lady Loki being a possible variant, Mm -hmm. which on the paperwork, um, both in an advertisement and in the show, you can see uh, 
under sex, it's listed as fluid because of course he is, he's a shapeshifter. But I'm wondering if they're yeah. going to like draw on that. And if we are going to get a lady Loki, um, I think that would make my mind explode if we did. <laughs> um, and I, I really hope that they make some sort of mention on that because um, Marvel, if you're listening, uh, please stop being afraid to say that your queer characters are queer in your movies because we all know. So you might as well just come out and say it. <laughs> yeah, I think they have started to to kind of lean into that more and more. And it is Pride Month, too. So it, yeah. is it a coincidence? I know there was some type of correlation between being released on June 9th and Pride Month. Was there? I don't know offhand. I do okay. know that one of the first trailers um a bunch of different shots are like colored uh different ways and it makes the rainbow right yeah okay so which technically is also like the infinity stone colors but right let's say rainbow (laughs) (laughs) all right i think that's pretty much it um did you have anything else to add to this? I know you've added a whole bunch and kind of put together things that I don't think most viewers have. I I haven't. I didn't. But yeah, uh, I've I've uh, thought a lot about Loki um, when I was like super 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 into Marvel before I discovered Star Wars, and now both consume my life. Um, but yeah, I I have a lot of feelings about this character. Um, yeah. so it's very yeah, I need to, I need to buy something Loki now. I, I've bought, I haven't, I didn't buy anything for WandaVision. I didn't really see any merch that I really kind of, that spoke to me, but I did buy a Falcon winter soldier shield. It's right here. So I do have some Marvel merch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to hang this, I'm going to hang this on the wall and, uh, Next time, not have so much Star Wars stuff behind me, and have something Marvel up. I do have a picture of um, of the Infinity Gauntlet, or actually the Nano Gauntlet um, that they gave out at movie theaters. It says "We love you, 3000. But uh, yeah, I need to have a Marvel section of my office and and have that as my background. But yeah, yeah Marvel I, did uh, it again. Yeah. I I thought I was done with uh, Tom Hiddleston and uh, all this. Uh, many layers of Loki consuming my soul, but here we are again. And um, renovating my Loki costume has now shot to the top of my list. So <laughs> that'll be coming at some point. Do you point. have the horns? <laughs> Do you have like the massive yes. like helmet? Wow. Um, I had to, dis- I had to assemble it. A friend 3d printed it for me and I had to assemble it in like three days. So it's pretty bad condition. Like it's mm-hmm. not very well done. So I'm hoping to like re-sand it and repaint it and make it look actually nice. And it's like the exact size of my head. So it's hard to get on and off, but Mm. you do what you got to (laughs) do. All right. For Ray, my name is David. That's the Marvel Stuff Podcast. And uh, we'll catch you next time.